What up, Anchor? What up, Anchor FM? What up, Spotify? What up, the whole entire world? I am Dre Wise, Dre Wise Calculator. <clears throat> and today is Sunday, June 21st, 2020. And the time is 4.20 p.m. Now today, I want to talk about this particular continuance of this issue of racism, Black Lives Matter, this whole thing about all lives matter, um, the COVID-19 COVID, uh, virus, um, all that. But today, this uh, particular uh, topic on this particular platform commentary podcast, Anchor FM, brought to you by me, my own podcast, Dre Boss, do anybody see the bullshit? Do you see the bullshit? Do you really see the bullshit? Here today on Anchor FM and Spotify. Follow me on Instagram. That is my blog, Jarrell Lucian. Like and subscribe and share my uh, exercise channel. That is Jarrell Lucian. That's my channel videos of exercise. Follow me on Facebook to see me live. Do live stream. Uh, exact same thing. Commentary, live commentary, and live exercise. Also, my videos too that I put together myself. Email me at Jarrell. No, excuse me. Excuse me. Backwards. Backwards this time. Just about spelling backwards. Lucian Jarrell number seven at gmail.com for business and inquiries. Have any questions? Email me or hit me up on my Facebook Messenger. Thank you and stay tuned. As we come on in the West, I'm Wayne Johnson in for Tom Yamas. We begin tonight with a civil emergency in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where President Trump is holding his first major rally in three months, the largest indoor event in America since the coronavirus pandemic began. Health officials warned against it, but the president said we have to move on, promising it will be a, quote, wild evening. The president in his element with thousands of enthusiastic supporters crowding into the BOK Center, many coming from miles away. Everyone going through tight security, temperature checks, and masks offer, though it is optional to wear them. But the rally is also a magnet for protesters. They are gathering not far away, a security zone set up around the arena, the National Guard standing by. The city had announced a curfew in an attempt to keep the peace, but the president's campaign pressured them to remove it. So it will be an anxious night in Tulsa when the rally ends and people flood the streets. ABC's Marcus Moore leads us off in Tulsa. Tonight, crowds building in downtown Tulsa, a city on high alert. The mayor issuing a civil emergency. Oklahoma's governor calling in hundreds of National Guard troops. We've seen them on every corner around the BOK Center, where President Trump's holding his first rally in months, and it has drawn counter-protesters as well. We'll let them peacefully protest, but as soon as they start damaging other people's property, that's when we'll step in, and, and we're not going to have that kind of nonsense in Oklahoma. One Black Lives Matter protester arrested today at the BOK Center hours before people were let in. Less than a mile away, in Tulsa's historic Greenwood District, there is anger. After hearing Vice President Pence might tour the area, residents covering up monuments and the mural commemorating the 1921 massacre at what was known as Black Wall Street. If you really want to talk about unity, right, and bringing communities together, 
then we have to sit down and talk about reparations, honestly, and have a discussion and develop a plan for that. Otherwise, it's just a photo op. The vice president facing new criticism today after refusing to acknowledge the phrase Black Lives Matter during an interview with our station WPVI. Black Lives Matter. Can you say those words? All of us are created equal and endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. Uh, and so all lives matter in a very real sense. The vice president meeting with black pastors ahead of the rally. Emotions are high and there are fears the situation could turn to chaos tonight. We have all of the ingredients for a disaster. Tulsa is a powder keg. Law enforcement officials also very concerned over the possibility of violence. The president even tweeting, any protesters, anarchists, agitators, looters, or lowlifes, you will not be treated like you've been in New York, Seattle, or Minneapolis. It will be a much different scene. ABC News obtaining an intelligence analysis from the Department of Homeland Security, warning police departments across the country, saying, we expect to see an increase in violent exploitation of otherwise lawful protests, as well as threats of targeted violence against law enforcement. That warning to police right there, and Marcus Moore joins us from Tulsa. Marcus, we're already seeing heavily armed police and protesters confronting people heading into the rally. Yeah, that's right, Whit, and authorities have set up this tape, and they have a police line. They're using that as a buffer between the entrance to the BOK Center and all the protesters who I'm sure you can hear in the distance. They have uh, confronted a number of the people who've been trying to get into the rally, and police are using this line to make a smooth path for them to get into the, the arena. And there's a lot of high emotion here in Tulsa tonight, and Whit, it seems like it will be a long one here for authorities and anyone attending this rally. We celebrate the freedom most Americans have. We must fight for the freedom all Americans deserve. strive for equality. We've been impacted by the Windrush scandal, COVID-19, police brutality and deaths in custody during the past few months as well. And you know, it's a lot going on in our community and it's time now we we're making our stand and saying enough is enough. seen a reaction like this in my lifetime and then we've seen a couple of the cops get charged for murder in the states hopefully that goes across the world and we see police brutality ended here in the UK if it's not just it's not just brutality it's prejudice as well so doing this thing and when I remember in 19 it's drops in the ocean that's what it is drops in the ocean so every march has a it has an impact it's a small impact but as long as we keep this uh, alive as long as we keep it going at some point things will have to change so I was trying to make a better life for my children my children's on that first march we are marching In 2017, hundreds of white nationalists descended on Charlottesville, Virginia to defend a monument to Robert E. Lee. 
Their arrival marked the beginning of 24 hours of violent clashes with counter-protesters. One person was killed. Others were beaten and bloodied. After the unlawful assembly was declared, it was really very festive. It just felt like we won. That's when we heard this loud bang. One car got pushed into the intersection, another car got pushed in right behind it. It was just utter chaos. It's hard to imagine that such a big moment happened in this little space. But that's yeah. common in America, right? These it big is. moments happen Absolutely. in these small places. Absolutely. And this is what, you know, we learn that all of these small spaces can set the stage for huge explosions. The battle in Charlottesville seemed to be over a single statue. And it's a battle that's been repeated in cities across the country. But more than 1,500 monuments to the Confederacy remain, honoring those who fought and died to keep black Americans, like my ancestors, in bondage. So I decided to travel the South to learn for myself just how deep the roots of this fight are buried. I went looking for understanding, for something that would make sense of this moment. Along the way, I visited monuments, those that aren't so easily removed, the artifacts, small enough for some to ignore, the landmarks, too large to take down, and the legacy that resides in our memory and in our blood, because the fight was always about more than just a statue. Beautiful morning in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I didn't want to take this journey alone, so I asked my friend, John Elligo, a reporter for the New York Times, to join me, to help me process what it all means. What's going on, man? How you feeling? Good to see you. Finally made it. For years, we've talked about race and history, how his people came to America by way of Trinidad and mine through the slave trade. It just seemed natural for him to join me. Yeah, no, I'm good. It's crazy, but I'm talking about In 2017, the city council of Fredericksburg took up the question of whether to remove a slave auction block that stands on a corner in the middle of downtown. We're about to see um, an auction block where people were sold. What's, what's crazy, we look at the old like advertisements. Yeah. Seven strong Negroes for sale. But the idea that we're not just talking about just what we, we consider this manual labor. Yeah. We're talking about artisans, professionals. Yeah. Uncle was young. He took a picture on the slave block from a Caucasian who wanted him to take a picture. And for him, it was about getting the money because he paid him. And when my grandfather realized that he had stood on that block to have his picture taken, my grandfather whipped him and threw the money away. And he told him what that block was and why he was never to go on that block again. That story has been with us since we were little children. This says, not only did we not want you here, but we still don't want you here. The lone black councilman pushed for a vote to remove the auction block. The six white members of the council said they voted to keep it in its place to educate future generations. I've heard you say that Fredericksburg may be the most historic city in America. Indeed. Our history is our nation's history. If I walk down to City Hall, I walk by the home of Mary Washington. I walk by James Monroe's law office. I walk by the home my mother was born in. 
you also walked by an auction block, right? I did. What does that mean in terms of the history? At some point you arrive at a place where humans were bought and sold by the people of this community. That auction block is an artifact. The very fact that you can stand where somebody was treated as property and where families were separated is very moving. It's like what Germany did when they kept Dachau and Auschwitz and all. It was like, don't ever forget. You can't ever forget how horrible that was. Councilman Chuck Fry proposed removing the block. It was going on everywhere. So if you look at, let's the auction block had been on my mind for a long time since I was a kid. You know, I used to see people spit on it and I saw a mock auction where folks did a mock auction. That rips, that rips your soul apart. My stance was always, okay, you know, I think it needs to go. It came down to a vote before I do the strike to the first best city council, which it was a six to one vote. Do you believe that there is a way to do the block in, in, in a respectful way and keep it there? I can't change my view. What we can do is tell a story that's a more full in-depth story. When you walk by that, and you walk by with your children, and you walk by with your people, what is the message being sent? There's a possibility your great-great-grandfather was sold here. It seems like the fight over the auction block, as you mentioned, it's what's in our history books. It's, no, that's... that's it, 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 what it represents has a rippling effect that exists in the very fabric. That's America. Yeah. That's just America. The black barbershop has always been a place of community, where wisdom is passed and stories are traded. Today's no different. So what was it like growing up with that auction block right there on the corner? It was like an embarrassment. I don't need to see that block to know what the past was. It made you mad because I could say that could be my great-grandma, my great-grandpa. You bring them in on a boat and then you sell them. How do you try to memorialize something like that? It is totally unfair and unreal that people can actually sit there and say that, oh, well, we're just saving history. No, what you're doing is you're spitting in our faces. That's what you're doing. Is where uh, Premier Doug Ford is giving an update. We know 260 new cases in that province. Let's listen in. On the advice of the Chief Medical Officer of Health, we were the first province in Canada to close schools. That early action was critical in fighting the spread of COVID-19. Our medical experts are telling us that the next two weeks are absolutely critical for Ontario. What we do today will determine what we face tomorrow. That's why we extended the declaration of emergency for another two weeks. This includes extending closures of non-essential workplaces, restricting public gatherings of more than five people. Effective immediately, we've extended the order to close publicly funded schools until at least May the 1st for teachers and May the 4th for students. We've also extended the closure of private schools and child care centers for another two weeks. As I've told you before, the situation continues to change day by day, hour by hour. And in order to protect our children, I'm prepared to extend these closures even further if we have to. As I said yesterday, every week, every day, every hour, 
we can push back the surge on our hospitals is another week, day, hour of precious time to prepare. The more time we have, the more lives we can save. If we push that surge as far away from today as possible, we will save lives. Yesterday, we put in place a new emergency order to close all outdoor recreational amenities, including beaches, sports fields, playgrounds, and picnic areas. Everyone needs to stay home. This is absolutely critical. We can't stop COVID-19 without your full support. Please stay at home. Only go out for what you need. Don't gather in groups. Practice physical distancing. Stay in touch with loved ones by phone. And wash your hands. This is how you can help save lives. I know these extended closures will make things difficult for families. We're doing everything we can to support parents during this difficult time. We've introduced job protective leave, suspended time of use, hydro rates, and we're putting $200 for every child under 12 and every uh, child with special needs, $250 back in the pockets of families. Should there be an NFL season? Um, should there be? Should there be? I think there should be an NBA season. I don't know I can say that there should be an NFL season. I hope there is. I wish there was. I don't think that, given everything I know now, I can say that I'm confident that there should be. Because this crisis, this pandemic, is developing still. If this continues, remember, this isn't even supposed to be the second wave. But there's a second wave likely to occur coinciding with the flu season, which is going to add confusion, not to mention overtax the medical system. Um, you sure we should be playing football? 50 guys plus on each team. When you add personnel, 75, 100 people with trainers and everything on each team, 32 teams. We're talking about over 6,000 people. And like, as Sean McVay said, how do you social distance? The point is to do the opposite of social distancing for the defense. The defense wants social closeness on the field. Um, it's a full contact sport. Given the fact that, as the last I heard, they're planning on opening the season in Kansas City, meaning they have a decentralized plan, which to my mind is a, an exceedingly bad idea. I also don't think they're being realistic. So I, I don't think they will complete their season. But at this point, I can't even say that they should play it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Let me say this. Uh, you know, I've alluded to this on many occasions, Ryan Max. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it plain out there for, for the world to see. Um, I'm sick and tired of these kind of positions, Max. I have to admit it, because I understand the level of seriousness that we're talking about, but I think it's real easy for us to say, you see, I'm on I'm on national television and I'm getting paid. You're on national television, Max, and you're getting paid, and Ryan is as well, and all of this other stuff, and I get it. And so as a result, that even if some of the games are not going on, uh, we still have to find a way to do our jobs to some, to some degree anyway. No one in the medical profession has come to us with a definitive date that things return. We don't know when a vaccine mm -hmm. is going to be available. We don't know where a, a level of normalcy is going to kick in. 
So by virtue of that, if you have the mentality that the sports leagues themselves don't need to come back, and I'm mainly talking about professional sports because college is a different animal, and I understand that. But I'm talking about the professional sports league. If you're talking about them not returning, what other businesses are you talking about not returning? And if they don't return, how are people getting paid? And if people are not getting paid, who's subsidizing them? and helping to maintain or elevate their quality of life because it's going to evaporate before their very eyes. That's the situation that we're living with. And so for me, without, without a definitive date, if somebody said to me, Ryan, guess what? Dr. Fauci and them came out and said, we're going to have a vaccine by next May. We'll have it by next May right. 1st. We don't think there should be a season. I understand. I'm backing off. I'm backing down. I'm like, we got to suck this up. Get through it. But because of the indefinite portion of that argument, the fact that this could be ongoing for God, for God knows for years to come, potentially. We don't know. What are you talking about? People staying at home. That is not realistic. That is not reality. The reality is, is that by and large, you're going to have to go into, into the working world at some point, put on a mask, gloves, wash your hands, engage in social distancing. But you're still going to have to go out there and work. Because that's the only way that you're going to have any kind of economy and things are not going to disintegrate before our very eyes. I understand it's not popular. I understand that it's not preferred. I understand that other nations might have handled it differently. Some nations like France, I believe I remember correctly, Max, might have forgiven all debt. I don't know. But in America, that has not happened. And because that has not happened and this is our situation, we have to accept it and embrace it and be prepared to Ryan. move forward. Period. Ryan, I know I know you haven't gone. I'd just like to respond to that briefly, and then Good. I'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, um, the specific shape of an economy, in other words, existing jobs, et cetera, are always the excuse to not do the thing that needs to be done. You know, like, well, if we do this, it will disturb what we now have. Um, I don't think that's a good enough excuse. The economy, Stephen A., will get much much worse if the pandemic increases, if it spreads, if it does, if we don't start to, start to not only flatten things, but have it go down as they have in Europe. It will get much worse. So I agree with you that with no end in sight, there needs to be some semblance of normalcy. But what will the new normal look like and how can that be done responsibly? That's and what we need to what prioritize. I've heard concerning the NFL so far, it doesn't sound to me, at least they haven't articulated the NFL, a plan that responsibly sets a new normal to play football. Sorry, no, Ryan's got to go. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, that, 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 that's the huge thing for me. Max spoke about leadership. Our leadership took a different route to get us here. So here we are. Now, I said weeks ago, maybe a, a month ago, that we are going to have to learn to live with COVID-19 before we ever get a chance to live without it or if we ever do. So I agree there has to be some way we get back to a new normal because that normal won't be normalcy. And when you look at the NFL, here is what I'll say, because I think you both make great arguments. I think there should be an NFL season. But if there is going to be an NFL season, this turns into more of a social experiment in compassion than it does anything else. Because when you talk about the vendors and you're speaking of equipment managers and trainers, now you're going to have to ask these people to put not only themselves 
as a high priority, but other people, right? What I do away from my work, what I do away from the field can not only affect me, but affect my teammates, affect my coaches, affect the people that I'm working with. Let's go back a couple of months ago to a post by Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott showing that during the time we're supposed to be quarantined or social distancing, they're at some sort of a celebration. And in the caption, they kind of allude to, oh, y'all all worried about this. We are not. Now, fast forward to today. Ezekiel Elliott just tested positive for COVID-19. He's, uh, and so you look at where he was then and where he was now. He didn't respect it then. He didn't understand it. He wasn't taking it seriously. Obviously, he no longer is or he isn't now. And so you fast forward that to a season where you're asking over 60 people that play football and then there's a staff to do the right thing. How do we have a season if these guys can't protect themselves and protect others? for watching ESPN on YouTube. For live streaming sports and premium content, subscribe to ESPN+. Plus. My thoughts on this. My thoughts on this. Do anybody see the bullshit? Excuse my language. Do you see the bullshit? Do you see that you are a sheep? Do you see that you are a sheep? And someone is the shepherd? Do you see the whole bigger picture? Do you see the bullshit, black Do you see the bullshit, white Do you see the world? Let's talk about this Black Lives Matter. <clears throat> black Lives Matter was put together by folks that sat down and thought of a slogan that sounds good and run with basically for money. Black Lives Matter. Understand black folks that I, that I understand black folks. I understand the history of slavery. I understand the business of slavery. I understand black culture. I understand black history. But you got to understand as a Negro in America, what would you, why was we as a people, our ancestors, was brought here in the first place? Do you understand? Do you see? Do you know why? I tell you why. As African American, not African American. See, I take it as this, my thoughts on black people, my thoughts on Africa, my thoughts on the black race. Since the day that the visitors, the pilgrims, the Europeans decided to do a venture, set sail to the new world, already have it in their minds to do what? Force a people as basically their property called slaves, niggas, to do what? Build up a new world called America. Within the mindset of these people from Europe, they had it in mind to set sail to the West to basically build a world called America, the American world of business. But see, black folks got to understand something because it's an implant throughout the years within the blood of, her, of hereditary towards a man that used to own us. So the visitors, the pilgrims, the invaders decided to do what? Take people by force without a question. Take people that speak different languages in Africa. But the so-called agenda, why did they do it? How did they do it? But why? 
the whole thing. Why? To start a new world of civilization to expand resources of business. So black folks don't really understand. We understand the hardship of affliction. We understand the difficulty that we face in America and we adapt. So black folks, you gotta understand that put yourself in a former our our former oppressor mind. What was his mind? What was his thinking? What, what, what was his agenda? His agenda was to force a people to build something without payment. Work for free, night and day. When our hands have uh, uh, developed calluses. It was a business. So how this objective of slavery been so successful? Let's see. How to get these people. How to take these people. Without, the, without a fight Like the Native American man, that, we, that this is the Caucasian man here do this I don't want to fight these I want to take these people But I had to fight this man Called the Native man And a Japanese man I could not enslave them But I enslaved the Negroes But how can I take these people How can I shackle these people How can I put these people In chains In chains Underneath the boat At the bottom of the boat Excuse me At the bottom of the boat How can I do it I have to have one of their own That look like have one of their own that looks like they, one of them looks like them to be more easier you know have one of their own so I can rally them in one by one all over all over uh, uh, Africa take a few so understand the mindset of this man long long time ago in the old days and days of the pirates the days of the Kings and the queens and uh, Napoleon and the presidents, the first five five uh, presidents of America, the first five presidents of America had Negro slaves. So black folks got to understand that this is a business that we was once was part of called slavery. You know, but the idea that they brought us over here was to put us to work as carpenters to work for him. So. The whole I, the whole mindset that black folks to the very day. How does man treat us? How does man, how, how does this man feel towards us? But you gotta understand black folks, you gotta understand people of color. This is just a business. So the one thing that some racist white folks can't stand, that it don't matter if you're a Muslim or Christian, you are free. That's it. So black black folks got to realize. There are some white folks who don't like your, your complexion of skin. But deeper than that, it's all about you've been let go by a president that said, let these Negroes go because they are irritation to us. And frankly, we need more money because some of our own don't want to get their behinds up and work. So understand slavery is just a business. That's it. Just like the house of Pharaoh. That Pharaoh had uh, uh, Hebrew slaves. Pharaoh said, I'm going to force these people to build my monuments. I'm going to force these people to build my palace. I'm going to force these people to build this. I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to invade their land that the Hebrews dwell. I'm going to invade and take a few of them and force them to work. 
and I be their master and they will obey me and they will be my slave. A business. Human traffic business. So racism now is more of a mindset to look at someone other than to be human. Look at someone as an animal because of skin color, because of difference. Racism starts in the foundation, not in the school. It doesn't start in the media. It doesn't start in the church. It doesn't start in the daycare. It doesn't start in the workforce. It starts from a person, how they, he or she, been taught in their foundation of their home by their parents. So Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, does Black Lives does matter? It does. But I'm going by some sense, all lives matter because all men are created equal. But see, it's the mindset of men that chose to do this that went, out, that, that went down in history. So the landmarks of slavery is only a hist history, only a history ground that America vomit of doing of wrongness. But you gotta go back somewhere in Egypt because Egypt have Egypt somewhere Egypt and Pharaoh has monuments of history of slavery of oppression too. But you gotta understand America is nothing but a, a continent of business in the first place. So disregard all that. Forget about all that. When when are people gonna realize this is the, the present day? When are people going to realize that the past is the past to let go? So this is all an encouragement and plant. This is all encouraged to basically divide and separate people. Cause division, cause uh, deviation. When are you going to realize to wake up and see the bullshit? When are you going to see the bullshit? <coughs> like, like I do. When are you going to see the game? When are you going to see that you are a sheep? And these folks are a shepherd. When are you going to see it? When are you going to wake up? You can't wake up. Because you are a prisoner in bondage of your own mind. When are you going to see it? When are you going to see it? Now this virus that still lingers and grows and grows and feasts on people's lives. It grows and grows when you protest. It grows and grows when you go to the store of rallies and rallies of people or gatherings. Gatherings, excuse me. Coming together. And grows, it grows. When are you going to see it's going to be here? When are you going to see it's just all about survival and fitness? What are you going to see it puts you to the test? You say it's God judgment? No, 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 no. It's man's judgment. Because nature is basically involved. You say it's God. No, 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 no. It's a man that's doing this. It's a man that's behind us. There's a man just like Pharaoh saying, I'm a God, I am the God, and these people will obey me. When are you going to see that? When are you going to see that? When are you going to see that? You can't see because you are a prisoner in bondage of your mind. See, so this virus is like, like a devil. The devil. It goes up and down to and fro, seeking, to, seeking whoever it pleases and it devours. It don't see color. It don't see color at all. All it see is to feast and grow and grow and take life. But what you need to see where it came from. It came from somewhere that stuff is made artificially. Artificial. Artificial, official, artificial, intelligent, whatever. 
You gotta see where it came from. That was basically a weapon that was thought of in a lab to spread everywhere, to take lives, to depopulate people at population control. When are you gonna see that? You can't see the bullshit. Like I see the bullshit. I see what's going on. You cannot accuse the devil. But you got you to accuse the one that can distinguish from right and wrong, that is a man. You cannot accuse the devil. See, religious folks, to me, I don't believe in religion. I don't believe in Christianity, to be honest. I don't believe in Islam. I don't believe in anything that's been thought of by man. That is religion. Politics is also. But you got to understand where to find God and where to find the devil is you. How to see the how how to see God? How to see the devil? By looking outside to see people. When are you gonna see that you are a sheep? When are you gonna see that you are in a matrix? When are you gonna see that it's art is it's basically extraterrestrial? When are you gonna see this is survival of the fittest? Politics only cares about your vote, it's all about money. Black lives matter. Black black lives does matter. But black folks have to realize you have to wake up and forget about the past, about how we've been in slavery and been afflicted night and day. But we are here. We are here. We survived the business of slavery. That's what it was, a business. To basically force a people to do this. And within that, take from these people everything, everything, everything. So they got to scrape and claw and find who they are again by doing research. But understand something. This virus, racism, Black Lives Matter is all part of a game called, like Triple H say, it's all about the game. It's how you play it. All about that control, there you go. Dre was my name, Dre was Conquer. Follow me on Instagram, that is Jarrell Lucian. Number seven, that's my blog. Follow me on Facebook, Jarrell Lucian Awesome. Like and subscribe my YouTube channel that I do exercise. Uh, that is Jarrell Lucian. Email me at number 7 at gmail.com. Email me. Email me. Hit me up on Facebook Messenger. Same thing. Jarrell Lucian. I am out. Dre Wise, my name, the one and only Dre Wise. Peace and farewell.